Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast where we take you behind the scenes of the online magazine and deeper into the stories. I'm your host, Michael Shields. Happy New Year, everybody. This is our first episode of the year and we got a, we got a lot planned. It's going it's to be a fun year. Um, we got a whole ton of guests already lined up and we're going to start cranking them out and starting 2020 with a captivating episode right here that I'm excited about. It centers around one of the most... Uh, fascinating concept albums I've ever come upon. That album is entitled In Flowers Through Space from New York City-based composer, producer, and audio engineer E. Scott Lindner, who uh, we are lucky enough to have on the podcast here today. In Flowers Through Space is an experimental concept album based around the mathematical Fibonacci sequence, a spiraling numerical concept often found in nature and associate it with beauty and harmony. I'm sure most of you know the deal, but in the Fibonacci sequence, each number in the sequence is the sum of the two numbers that precede it. So the sequence goes 0, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 21, and so on. So inspired by this idea, Scott went all in, uh, where every aspect of the crafting of In Flowers Through Space was influenced and energized by this idea. For instance, a software program was designed to translate Fibonacci numbers into notes used as melodies on select tracks. Also, studio sessions were held on dates associated with Fibonacci numbers. On top of that, the number of classical and jazz musicians on each song increased to mirror the Fibonacci sequence, which culminates with 21 musicians on the final track. Uh, it's truly wild stuff. And uh, we dig into it deeply into the interview. It's just such a cool and unique concept. I wanted to learn more. I think you're going to be fascinated uh, by this whole thing. But before we get into that, I think we should um, kind of get a little taste of what's on the album. Here's a track entitled Eight Off In Flowers Through Space.
that's intense and wonderful stuff right there. So before we go any further, just your episodic reminder that Across the Margin, the podcast is part of the Osiris Podcast Network. Osiris is a podcast network bringing passionate fans of the arts, podcasts, and events they will love. Head over to OsirisPod.com for more information. OsirisPod.com. They have a bunch of new uh, podcasts they've been releasing as of late. One that is released uh, is going to be released this week is um, near and dear to my heart. It's a project I was uh, uh, a part of. It's called Still Chasing. Still Chasing is a limited podcast series I co-host with comedian and the host of the Amigos podcast, Mike Fenoya. It digs deeply into, into obsession and the engrossing art that entices admirers to the point of infatuation. Listen in as we unpack our shared addiction of live music. Season one focuses on the band Fish, and in it we expound upon the risk and rewards of chasing a band and the lessons learned from the experience, including self-acceptance, forgiveness, and risk-taking. Here's, um, here's the trailer for Still Chasing. Hey, what's up? This is Mike Fenoya. I'm a stand-up comedian, producer for the TV show Impractical Jokers, and host of the podcast Amigos. I'm also helplessly addicted to the band Fish. For over half of my life, I've been freakishly obsessed with this band, the community, and the endless moments they've provided us. Ah, uh, dude, they're kind of like an inspirational rock band. Now, at 40 years old, I'm taking a look back at over two decades of obsession to find out what drives this addiction, what makes them so special, and why I happily continue to make this band a priority over family, bills, and obligations. And before you judge me, take a look at yourself. You'd skip work for a fantasy draft or lie to your grandmother for a Walking Dead marathon, so back off. My thing just happens to be live music, freaking out under the lights with 20,000 of my best friends, jumping and celebrating, criticizing, traveling, planning, and partying. I just saw um, I just saw a woman looking for a kid named Nugget. Nugget! Still Chasing is a podcast series hosted by myself and my friend, author and podcaster Michael Shields. Together, we dig through our old college trunk and share our perspective on what initially drew us in, what keeps us intrigued, and continues to stoke the fire. Just was, as you noted, so compelling that we began to organize our lives around it. Through personal interviews with pivotal members of the community, friends, and forefathers, we not only take a look at ourselves, but we dive into the philosophy and beauty of fanaticism. For whatever reason, fish and uh, the way that they play, the way they mix up their shows, uh, was a perfect sort of field to plant uh, a lot of dreams in. Still Chasing provides a first-person investigation into the mind of a fanatical fan. It features hilarious behind-the-scenes stories about the band. Trey pulled up to a tent and got out and opened the zipper of the tent and put his head in and said, Festival's canceled. Go home. <laughs> Where a love of a band takes you places you never imagined. And I headed up there with a bunch of friends, and I got the chance to meet and befriend author, counterculture icon, Mary Prankster, Ken Kesey. Learn why we just can't stop chasing. I want to keep coming back because I'm feeling a pure sense of happiness and bliss and, and nothing can take it from me. Still Chasing is brought to you by Osiris and is available January 15th wherever podcasts can be heard.
So all episodes, as uh, as you just heard, will be released at once. Um, so season one will be available January fifteenth for your enjoyment. Now let's get into it. Let's get let's uh, get into this exploration of this um, this this remarkable concept album, Through Flowers in Space, with this interview with E. Scott Lindner. So, uh, Scott, thanks for coming. Appreciate thanks. this. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Is, it's uh, rare that I come all the way to Brooklyn. So. Yeah, is it really? You don't you don't come out this way much? I'm not really. So a you're Bro- Queens. I'm not really a Brooklyn guy. Yeah, you know what I mean? Queens but guy. I, I gotta say, it's a nice neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, uh, not a Brooklyn guy. Uh, where are you from? I, uh, I, I would like to do some background. I want I want to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna put this coaster down. Yeah, absolutely. As I hit the mic. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. I'm uh, originally, I'm from. Uh, I was born in London. Okay. Uh, in England. Yeah. Obviously. Expat parent, pa- parents or like are they um, are they from? My my father worked. Uh, yeah, he was uh, worked. He's like an environmentalist, and so he did a mm. lot of traveling. Cool. Um, so at the time, actually, he was a lawyer there in London. I, so I was born there. I lived there two years. Mm-hmm. And then we moved to Geneva, Switzerland. Oh, wow. So he was working there because mm-hmm. the UN is there and there's yeah. a lot of like diplomatic stuff going mm-hmm. on there. So I lived there until I was about uh, eight or nine. And then my parents got a divorce. I moved to the States. Yep. I lived in the DC area for about, uh, I don't know, like a year or yeah. something. Yeah. We're talking like Nova, Maryland or anything like that? Just, Spring, or in actually, Springfield, Springfield, Maryland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I went to high school in Fairfax, so I know oh, that. Really? I, know yeah, the area. I, I don't know much about it because yeah. I, was, I was eight years old and I was only there for about a year. Yeah. I, I, guess. I only did two years there, yeah. And then we moved to central Pennsylvania. Oh, cool. Uh, my, my mother got remarried. Mm-hmm. We moved to central PA, mm-hmm. State College, Pennsylvania. Yep. And I did and my then, eight to 16 there. Yeah. Yeah. So were those musical years? When did, when did that happen? They they were musical yeah. years actually yeah so when did you first start was it before that I mean um, not really into, I mean yeah. well, I I first got into music listening to Michael Jackson yeah even though I feel like I shouldn't mention his name <laughs> it's, it's, I kind it's, of stopped listening yeah. to him now because I feel weird and yeah. guilty I know I don't know if you watched the documentary it's I did a little I did. terrifying it's very terrifying I'm, I'm I I I buy I believe I believe the victims yeah yeah I'm sorry hundred percent yeah hundred yeah, percent but it's nope. weird because the music is still really good it so. is absolutely it's hard to separate the uh, artists from the art with something like that i mean there's certain situations where i feel it's easier where you know someone does something a little less vile um yeah. or just maybe just a bad person i don't care because their yeah. art is so good this one's tough it's tough <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so i i have sort of abandoned that music for, yeah you know whatever yeah um and um yeah what was the question how was it just the kind of musical influences what oh, are you yeah, listening so, to? How, how you kind of worked your way into it yeah yeah so i started with michael jackson and then i listened i started listening to Bangra music, which is like Indian pop uh, dance music. Oh, dope. Um, and so, you know, at that age, I was traveling a lot with my father. Yeah. So we went to all different types of places around the world. Was he into music? Uh, he was into music. Yeah. He was more into like uh, Celine Dion yeah. and like Whitney Houston yeah. and Tina Turner. Yeah, my parents were listening to Air Supply nonstop. Yeah, just, so it was like uh, more, yeah. it was a very different type of thing. Yeah. But he was working a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I was in Brazil. Uh, for about a year yeah. when I was like 12 years old. Mm-hmm. And I had these Bangra cassettes that my godfather That's had so given cool. me. Yeah. And I was I would walk around Rio with like a Walkman 
listening to Bhangra music. And I really awesome. got into that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was just because the only cassettes I had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was what was at hand, but still, that's yeah, like so what's getting it's, in it's your head. It's still on my bucket list to make a Bhangra album. Yeah, cool. Um, but every time I mention it, people get a little weirded out by that. Oh, but, you know, it's, it is on my bucket list, but we'll see if I ever get to that. They're, they're weirded out by that, but yeah. yet you can put together this project we're about to talk about. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's cool. So yeah. that's how you were coming up, listening to music. When did you start playing or kind of how, what led you towards this, you know, big production thing that you're involved in now? Sure. I mean, that's a I big first, question. it is. Yeah. I first started listening to, I guess when I was like 13, 14, 15, mm-hmm. I was in Pennsylvania and I, and I met a friend in seventh grade. He was sitting behind me mm-hmm. in math class and uh, somehow we became friends and he yeah. was listening to... Uh, the Doors, mm-hmm. or his father was. We would go up to his cabin in Pennsylvania, and Great. his dad was listening to The Doors on the way up there. Yeah, uh, and I kind of resonated. I was like, "Oh, this is interesting and yeah. weird. I don't know what's going on yeah, here." Yeah, and then yeah. I got into The Doors. I got into Jimi Hendrix, uh-huh. Eric Clapton, yep. uh, King Crimson. Oh, cool. Uh, can sort of like at that time, I guess you're already like, into Can at that point. That's cool. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of when I started in that yep. in that and type going of into that vibe. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but it was like guitar heavy music. And yeah. so my parents got me a guitar for Christmas mm-hmm. and, uh, it was a Hagstrom. Uh, it was an awesome guitar, yeah. which, which subsequently got stolen by this like reggae guy. Fuck that reggae guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, I think his name was Martin. <laughs> we're still looking, we're still looking if for the guitar. Knows, any, any Martin, I'm sure, reggae Martin. Yeah. I'm sure he has the guitar, but yeah. uh, it was a beautiful guitar. Was it? Oh, anyway. Damn. Yep. Um, so I started playing music there with a good buddy of mine mm-hmm. named Andy Hag, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we just started playing, just started writing music and playing music, and and just I never took lessons. I was just sort oh of, really yeah yeah I was I'm just sort ask. of like mm-hmm. yeah I think it, that was the time where I started smoking weed too yeah so it was like smoke Pairs well with music yeah so it was uh, like uh, smoke uh, weed you know and good. I was like sixteen yeah, seventeen same. so I was like smoke yeah. weed and start playing like music yeah, yeah. And soloing and I was uh-huh. like a guitar god in my in my head yeah. you know <laughs> um, and then I got a four track and uh, for Christmas the next Christmas I got mm-hmm. a, a cassette four track mm-hmm. and a little shitty Sony mic yep um, and I started um, we started making. Records. Yeah, I mean, not cool. really records, yeah, you know, but recording, you know, yeah. we were recording and, mm-hmm. and some of those recordings, and if you listen back to the actual recordings, mm-hmm. they're, they're not the best, but the song structures are really oh, cool. amazing. Yeah. And we actually re-envisioned um, that on a different project. We made a small EP with four of the tracks and songs that we had recorded back, That's awesome. back then. Yeah. And this must've been like 94 or something mm-hmm. like that. A year ago, we did that. Um, oh, just just recently, you're just speaking recently, when you yeah. actually re- re- revisited mm-hmm. that. That's so cool. What's yeah. that called? It's called Visas. Okay, where's, uh, where's and, that? And I'd the, love to hear. The record's called Visions of a Lethargic Sun. Cool, cool. Um, which is which was the concept record that we had made when we were like yeah. sixteen. Yeah. yeah, already making concept albums. Right yeah, that. well, I mean, listen to your influences. You yeah, know, they, there's a lot of conceptual albums in you know the, that vein already. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm huge into concept records. They're the best. And, That's what, you yeah. know, yeah. it kind of guides the the record. Of, you know, and it gives it sort of. I like love a, 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 a through line too. You know, just something a, a yeah. thematic. Yeah, yeah. it definitely creates a different experience than just song, 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 song. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's yeah, kinda, cool. That's kind of how, that's how you got into it. So your yeah. first um, uh, album was a self-titled. What's that about? I listened to a couple tracks. There was one um, uh, proleptical that really yeah, got yeah. me. That was that's it. Proleptical. Uh, proleptical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's so cool. What, tell me, talk about your first album, some of you could. When was sure. that? Sure, that was my first solo record. Solo so record. Yeah, I'm then not talking of your production work. I'm got just, it. Yep, yeah. Yep. 
Um, Which is vast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've done, <laughs> yeah. I've done a lot of records under different mm-hmm. names and stuff. Before, oh, cool. But, um, my first solo record was the first time I started making music with this sort of form in mind, meaning mm-hmm. what I did with that was I just wanted to book a studio for three days, spend, you know, all day, yeah. 14 hours a day in there with this with musicians and write the music together um, in a studio. Yeah. Because one of the things I felt like I was missing <laughs> is... Uh, sort of sort of the hum of a studio meeting mm-hmm. once you're in a studio and all the musicians uh, all the musicians are there live mm-hmm. all together all the mics are on and there's this moment before you hit record where you hear the hum of the, the hum. studio yeah and you can hear those actually on early Michael Jackson records or like now you know they're releasing like the the B takes and B yeah. of like the Beatles and, and the Prince and, and yeah but all that yeah, stuff yeah. and you hear the, the the hiss of the tape and yeah. you hear the hum of the studio yep. and and the uh you know the B3 organ mm-hmm. Leslie like rolling like yeah you know you can hear that stuff and that's each each studio would have its own vibe that's why right. certain musicians would be attracted to playing in certain spots and exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That. and I wanted that yeah you know what I mean I wanted yeah. that feel where we're all there together yeah. playing music so yeah. um, in order to achieve that I felt like I, we needed to have some sort of like guiding principle to be able to not just like jam yep you know because yeah. like if you just get into a studio for three days and jam you yeah. might not end up with something could, great you could be wasting time yeah, yeah so, i mean have a good time but yeah so yeah. my idea was to just like write a form like yeah. in and in, instead of writing a form in the sense of you know writing it out musically mm-hmm. i wanted to be more conceptual in the sense of saying this is the feel and the vibe that i'm trying to achieve yeah yeah um so i would Smart. sort cool. of paint uh scenarios you know, yeah. um, and a story of like, this is how I want the song to make oh, me wow. feel. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of how it all started. Yeah. Um, and then I would break it down sort of like, oh, eight bars of, you know, moody, mm-hmm. um, sad feel mm-hmm. with uh, polyrhythmic, um, you know, interplay. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, cut to 16 bars of just drums and sax yeah. and then cut to 24 bars. This is so bars, cool. It's know. like it's like a structured improvisation. Pretty much, in, in, in it, it pretty much I is. I don't know if that's like nailing it, but yeah, it that's is. Wild. It is. Yeah. Um, Adam, who's the owner of the label that it's released yeah. on, which is Infinity Gritty, which is in partnership. It's an imprint of uh, Robodope Records. Okay. Oh yeah. Adam Ahuja, he plays piano and stuff. He created a term called improvisationally composed. Okay. Okay. Um, which I think is right, like because mm-hmm. it is a composition and it's clearly structured and there's clearly parts. Um, but still, but there's was, freedom in there. Yeah, so it's, it's improvisationally composed, which yeah. I think is is a great way to sum it up. Um, just, you know, I started with listening with uh, In Flowers Through Space, which we're going to get to in a second. But uh, so going back and hearing this first album, um, it was kind of, it was wild. It was kind of a big juxtaposition there. And there's, it was funky, though. There's funk, it, you know, that was feeling like Badesky Martin Wood vibes, but the horn, it just, it's so super, super funky. Then I found myself, um, you know, as I was researching and, and getting to know your work a little bit, in a port of dreams, mm-hmm. and that's a different beast onto itself. What's that about? That's your second. Uh, yeah, the second record second. is Port of Dreams, yeah. and it was uh, composed in the same way. So we did three yep. days. I did three days in the in the in the studio. Mm. And um, were you in your studio at this point? At when this did... point, we're in pinch recording. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yep. So we yep. had built the studio, and um, you did build it. I mean, to you know, kind of walk away from that, but yep. uh, I'd like to know more about the studio. So you did your first one uh, not in that studio. 
Yeah, the first one was at Samurai Hotel. Samurai Hotel, uh, okay. Which is a great jazz studio oh, cool. in, uh, in in Queens as yeah, well, in Astoria. Yeah. And, they, and so between these two records, you yeah. you you get your own studio. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had our small project studio where I created a lot of the other records I've done. Cool. Uh, called Studio Radio 45, which was also in Queens. Yeah. And that was basically a rehearsal space converted into a studio, yeah. a multi-track yep. studio. We, yep. did, we actually did a lot of records out of there. It was really mm-hmm. cool. Everybody in the same room, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Probably spent a lot of time there. We spent a lot of time there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but we outgrew that studio, yeah. and we needed a bigger space. Mm-hmm. So we were looking for about six months to try to find a space. We found Pinch Recording, yeah. which has 22-foot ceilings, natural light. Yeah, I've seen it. It looks like a big, big space. And, it's really cool. Yeah. It's a really cool space. Yeah. Um, and we we did the build-out ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. It's mean. Yeah, and, did you say, I mean, I, I noticed that about you as well. I mean, you're very hands-on. You, you have experience building all this stuff? I mean... I mean, I do now. Yeah, I you guess, do now. You know, yeah, yeah. You were just do, going at it, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, cool. always, I've always been a kind of guy who just, like, puts shit everywhere yeah. and just kind of goes for it totally um but myself and and other partners uh jim jim panels who's like plays synths on the mm-hmm. record and pablo luchans who's the drummer on the record yep. uh henry Turepka is another he's like a, a producer engineer um guy who, who helped us so there's four partners at the studio oh, we cool. all built the whole thing yeah ourselves. that's awesome yeah i mean it was a lot of like youtubing like how do you build a 20 foot yeah. wall? <laughs> yeah. You know, um, yeah, we, not only just the architecture, but then you were talking about, you know, the sound that you're exactly, worried about. Yeah. yeah so. We worked with an acoustic designer, Crossley right. Acoustics, mm-hmm. who uh, helped us as far as like when we were like, how do you soundproof stuff? Yeah. You know, yeah. it was a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't like, think, stop bringing it up, Mike. <laughs> I do not think I will do it again. Yep. Um, next time I, if we do it again, which I'm sure we will, yeah. uh, I'll hire contract. Go, go, go. Yeah. 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 That, but that's I, cool but experience. It's good because, feel, because you have the fundamental understanding of how to build what things are. Yeah, you know? that's awesome. Yeah. All right, man, let's get into it. Yeah. I want I want to get into yeah. uh, in flowers through space. Um, what um what was <laughs> it's I, it's hard to even start, but what was um the impetus behind uh, bringing this this concept album to life that was based in this this sequence, this mathematical sequence? What 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 were you? What started this whole thing? Sure, I mean, it, uh, Port of Dreams was very um, it was sort of a chamber it was i, I kind of call it like psychedelic chamber music that makes sense. sense i love that is the the title track it's the 23 minute one that correct i got that, lost in that that's cool yeah. yeah i mean that that was inspired by uh echoes pink floyd echoes, oh yeah oh, which is a 26 oh, wow. minute track and you, if you yeah. listen to both records um you'll see some through lines that's neat for example like the bassoon screaming in the mm-hmm. middle in the middle of port of dreams there's like a uh pig noises and like it's supposed to be like a post-apocalyptic barnyard. Yeah. That was the description of that. That's po- what it was. Yeah, uh, post-apocalyptic barnyard. So like everyone's dead except for the barn animals, yeah. and they're not eating and stuff, and they so don't know what's they're happening. Fucking fired up, yeah. right? They're fired up. <laughs> so there's like pig squeals, and then there's a bassoon reed scream, which um, ends up being that same sound as you hear in echoes, which was a coincidence. Mm-hmm. I-, I didn't realize she started doing Sarah uh, Schoenbeck. She's mm-hmm. a bassoon player. She started playing just the reed of the bassoon and created this ridiculously weird scream. And it ended up being eerily similar to the scream that, that happens on in, in Echoes on that's, that track. That's some really cool serendipitous uh, yeah. musical yeah, it's magic. Cra- it's yeah. crazy. It's cool. But um, yeah, so anyway, so Port of Dreams was sort of this like, I wanted to use the form um, to dictate the record, but I wanted to be with classical musicians as well. And I wasn't sure whether that was going to work or not. Because I really am into the symphony now. Like you are, yeah. So String I go to the symphony. Yeah. Like I'm going to the symphony tomorrow yeah, just cool. by myself. Yep. You know, just I just love the yeah. feel that that creates. Yeah. 
So that's kind of what I was trying to achieve with Port of Dreams mm-hmm. is to kind of combine funk, jazz, and also um, orchestral music. Yep. Um, so we did that and it worked and yeah. it was awesome. Yeah. And we did that in three days. We wrote, we recorded, we mixed, we mastered in three days. It was yes. done. Damn. In three days, the album was done. Awesome. Um, and so that was kind of the concept mm-hmm. of that record. So mm-hmm. And so on this record, In Flowers Through Space, we were trying to, I was, for about a couple months, I was trying to figure out like what, can What's I next? do? What's yeah. next? Like yeah. the conceptual, like I wanted some kind of concept mm-hmm. and I was sitting with Adam. Um, the, the, so he's a, like your partner in this project a little bit or yeah, like he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's a keyboardist but he's mainly. A, yeah. yeah. He's a piano player, piano player keyboardist. Yeah. Um, and he also owns this imprint and we've done oh, cool. a lot of creative work together. Awesome. We love like conceptual albums mm-hmm. and kind of trying to do stuff left of center. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was telling him the idea that I was thinking about doing a record where each song on the record featured the same number of players. Yeah. So song one would have one, one player. player. Song two, two would have two, two players. Okay. So on and so forth. And then, so that idea came before... Before the Fibonacci. But then I was like, you know, is there some kind of like... It could be interesting to have some kind of like mathematical like formula. Mm. Like, is there some kind of math... You know, we were yeah. sort of spitballing ideas. Yeah. And Adam was like, well, have you heard of the Fibonacci sequence? Yeah. And I was like, yes, I have. Yeah. But I didn't know specifically how it worked, yeah. and, you know, and so, you know, we looked it up and we were doing a little research on the Fibonacci and it just made sense. I was yeah. like, well, you know, it starts with zero, one, one, two, three, yeah. five, eight, 13, Exactly 21. what you were describing anyways. And was, yeah. And I was like, well, what if we do those number of players for each track? Each track, yeah. Um, and that was sort of the, the, the starting point of that. Yeah. And, uh, and then once you get into the Fibonacci, it just, you can... It's really hard to say, like, how deep do you go into it? Yeah. Because you can apply it to everything. Yeah. And I created the word Fibonacci when we wanted to, when we wanted to basically. <laughs> I love it as a verb. Yeah. yeah so, like, when you want to apply the Fibonacci sequence to a certain mm-hmm. thing, we would say, well, we need to Fibonacci that. Yeah. And then we would get creative as to how we would do that. Yeah. Whether it's, like, the scale or all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. You know? So, yeah. So, you spoke on the, um, the, uh. Musicians, that's one way you Fibonacciized, did I say right? Uh, the whole thing. But um, uh, I, don't know, I just want to get my head around this because sure. it's so cool. And just the way that you infuse the sequence into your music. So the so just kind of walk into it a little bit. The track zero, obviously, we were talking about zero players. So that's, I mean, just like a room tone type situation. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, and then so you, the the basic idea is you have one player on, the, on track one, mm-hmm. but Obviously, there's got to be more conceptual ideas brought from the sequence into it. What, 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 you know, what does the music, you know, what's bored in the music there? Yeah. I yeah. Mean, track one pretty much is the sound of the Fibonacci sequence. Okay. What we in did, what way? Yeah. So what we did was, that's just Adam on the piano. Okay. Um, and we created a uh, frequency calculator. Um, Jim did, Jim Panels, mm-hmm. who plays since and is mm-hmm. also a partner of the studio. He is a, like, uh, he's good at this shit, you know, yeah. like he got a perfect SAT score and all this. Yeah. Just a freak. Yeah. Like he's <laughs> smart, you know? Yeah. Um, so I wanted to take the actual frequencies of, of, of notes mm-hmm. or just of sound and convert it in, in, to create a Fibonacci sequence. So if you take like, for example, a, that's 440 Hertz. What that means is the sound wave goes up and down 440 times a second. Right. That's what creates that. Yep. But then there's octaves of that. Mm-hmm. The human hearing is from 20 hertz to 20,000. Right. So I wanted to take the lowest um, octave of a note that is 
audible by the human hearing mm-hmm. and convert that into a sequence. So the lowest audible note of 440, I think, was 27 and a half hertz. Okay. So if I do it now, 440 uh, calculators out. Calculators out. <laughs> right. So it's 27 and a half hertz. Yeah. That's, that's what you can hear as a human. Yeah. So we use that as a starting point for the Fibonacci sequence, right? So then you just add, you apply the Fibonacci sequence, yeah. which is just the number before it added Add to it itself. Next. Yep. That, yep. Um, and that creates all these frequencies. So we developed that calculator that would translate those frequencies into notes themselves. Uh, uh. Um, and then, so for example, 440 Hertz is a, yeah. right. So we took all those and then it created basically all these notes that we're able to use that is falls within the Fibonacci mm-hmm. sequence. We went to the piano, which is 88 keys yeah. and we put tape on, on the piano notes that fall within that frequency range, that, that Fibonacci sequence. Mm-hmm. And then that right there is track one. So if you listen to track one, he's only playing the notes that are within the Fibonacci sequence. Um, And it created this feel that we would never have come up with. Without going that method. Yeah, Yeah, without going that method. So there's this feel on that track that is like dark, celestial, Uh um, but also like hopeful. And that organically, that sound kind of almost came out of the mouth, the math. They're using the, interpreting the sequence in the way that you did. A hundred percent. Wow. So there's a feel to that track that's sort of setting the, the, the stage for the rest to come. That's just like, here is the sort of base. Yeah. Um, and, and the rest kind of built up. So what was it? Was it, I, I hate to use the word something so banal as easy, but just describe it as you're moving forward with this process. It, was it was it getting easier because you're just building because the sequence is adding one to the next, so you have foundation that describes what the next is, mm-hmm. or was it just getting wilder as you bring in it? You're starting to incorporate all these different moving parts. How was it moving out to two and then on to four? How how did that process go? Well, another thing we Fibonacci was the dates that we were. Oh, damn. <laughs> so we actually recorded on the dates of yep. the Fibonacci sequence. Yep. So it would have been the first, uh, and then the second, yep. the third, the fifth, the yep. eighth, and mm-hmm. the 21st of the month. Yep. Um, so, you know, we, we that dictated how it felt. Mm-hmm. So part of the, the process of the record is I wanted to feel what it feels like to have that, you know, because on the other yeah. two records, it was three days in a row. Yep. This one was like, you know, there was chunks where half the month would go by. Yeah. You know, yeah, as the, as so the it would numbers, give it, yep. it would give it space. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but 13 was, to 21, that's a big jump, yeah. Exactly, yeah. so there was definitely a feel to that, mm-hmm. and also each session that followed had more and more and more players, Yeah, you know, to, to, to from just the piano to 21 musicians, mm-hmm. and the 21 musicians was, you know, it featured a, a choir, <laughs> it had um, strings, yep. it had uh, woodwinds, it had everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. So that there was definitely a sense of growing uh, intensity yeah. throughout yeah. the record, yep. absolutely. Yeah. Which is the idea, yeah. absolutely. Which yeah. makes sense if you think about anything with the sequence. Um, so musicians are being added to this piece, and this um, is obviously this concept's it, it, fascinating, intense. Um, uh, it, how were some of the musicians taken to it when you were describing this to it? Was it? Uh, it had to be frustrating at times, possibly uh, um, kind of, uh, you know, explaining your vision and then trying to get 
this whole process, the whole sound that you're looking for, the whole thing through them? How, how was it working with the musicians, telling them? Anyway, well, it's it, interesting because yeah. every musician has a different uh, reaction to the process. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wanted to document that. So there, there is a full length document. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch it. I've seen it. a bunch of it. Yeah. Okay. So there's a full length documentary called In Flowers Through Space, mm-hmm. which is its own release. Yep. Um, which kind of shows that, you yeah. know, um, but you know, every it's, it's interesting cause there's the classical musicians and then there's the jazz musicians mm-hmm. and they have different reactions to it because, you know, classical musicians usually are, are mainly reading. Yeah. They don't typically walk into a studio and they're like, here, create the feel of a Renaissance fair or yeah, whatever. Improvisation probably might not come natural to someone. Yeah, like and, yeah. And, and, um, yeah, so that can be ch- a little bit challenging mm-hmm. for them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the jazz guys or w- girls or women mm-hmm. come in and they're more open to it. So, yeah. you know, for example, on track uh, two, uh, two and one, actually, uh, the cello player, Renat Pinchas, mm-hmm. is uh, she came in and I think had a lot of anxiety. You know, like you could tell that she was like, what the hell is yeah, happening? Yeah, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, you know, she was like, okay. And that comes like, off in the doc, the part I saw. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, and she she gets interviewed in the doc and she's very transparent yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. Which is really cool to um, see. That's that's the part kind of why I was asking about the frustration because it's right. fascinating to see how they react. Yeah, yeah it's great. You and know, how you guys work through it. Yeah, yeah. you know, because um, I, I strongly feel like anxiety in the studio can be harnessed for good. Yep. Um, as long as you kind of work with it. So yeah. like she was definitely anxious. So mm-hmm. we kind of sat in the, in the, in the studio and, and explained the Fibonacci and kind of the guidelines of what we were trying to achieve yeah. and the vibe that we were going for. And Adam sort of started working with her and I was sort of sitting in the control room. We were kind of working together. Yeah. And then, you know, I decided like there's a clear anxiety. It's tough to come into a room by yourself as the only musician yeah. and yep. just write music. Yep. So we gave her that space. We said, you know, you got to kind of read the room, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to give breathe. her, yeah. yeah. Like let's yeah. give her 40 minutes or whatever to just be in here by herself mm-hmm. to make mistakes yep. and to try things yep. and all that. So we went, we had lunch. Oh, cool. Uh, we came back. Just give her the freedom. And yeah, she's, yeah. You know, we came yeah. back and she had it written. I'm like, cool. Like, look, let's try a take. Yeah. You know, and we did it and it was great. Awesome. You know, I think we did two takes maybe. Yeah. Um, that's was, cool. Yeah, that's was, great. She got her great. head around you know, it. She was given the chance to like, you know. Exactly. Kind of you know, like, and the end result, even though maybe it was anxiety provoking, <laughs> the end result is that the track is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it is. It absolutely is. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned the doc. When does that come out? Because, I mean, your this album comes out the 28th of February, right? I think it's the 28th. Yeah, yeah. And so is the doc kind of... Um, Come around around the same time? Is that um, well? We're doing a we're doing an event. We're doing a screening. I guess it's a private screening, so oh. there's no real point in mentioning it. Yeah, yeah, sure. But um, uh, the documentary, you know, we've, we've submitted it into festivals. Great. it's um, cool. It's, it's just it's it has its premiere in the um, uh, the Oxford Film Festival great. in Mississippi. Yep. So that is happening in March. Yeah. Cool. Um, and myself and the director Dennis Callow yeah. are going to be going down there. Awesome. Um, Dennis is amazing. Yeah. Way. Is he really? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah. He's a great filmmaker, uh-huh. and you know we're really excited about the film yeah. as its as its own thing. You know, so definitely. I mean? I, it, I mean, it's a great companion piece. I mean, just to show this process, which is such a unique process and such a unique process. Uh, but it's it's just it's it's awesome on its own too. You're absolutely right. In it, you um there's there's a. Uh, there's a pinata involved in yeah. these in recording sessions. And yeah. can, what, what was going on there? Well, this is interesting because um, what happened with that is originally track eight was supposed to be, I think, on the eighth of the month. 
and I had gotten sick. I had gotten a tooth thing, and I was I wasn't I was like in a lot of pain, and I yeah. had to go to the dentist. And so I had to reschedule that. It's day. funny. I mean, if you go over this this lengthy amount of time, a lot of life's going to come in too, and, and something exactly. like that's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So that happened. Um, that was supposed to be recorded on the same day as five, mm-hmm. um, but I had to cancel that day. So then we had to wait another month, right, mm-hmm. to fall back into a Fibonacci number. Yep. Um, so that, you know, Fibonacci cycle is sort of like playing into it. So, because we had to wait a month before that track. So in that month I had come up with this idea. I I don't know how, whatever I was like, you know, let's incorporate a pinata. Um, and what I did was I wrote on index cards, different vibes and feels and, um, sections. So it would say like dramatic, uh, baseline, um, you know, sax solo yeah these like we were talking about yeah. earlier these moods that that kind of exactly so there, there was yeah. like maybe 30 cards in there and on the back of each card i wrote the, the fib i lined the cards up and i wrote the fibonacci numbers yeah. so it was like zero one yeah. one yeah. two three and then i shuffled them all and i shoved them in a pinata then i hung the pinata <laughs> up and when the musicians showed up uh-huh. for that day so there was eight musicians they didn't know they, they didn't what know they what were, was happening yeah, yeah they go in and there's a pinata hanging whatever we put a blindfold <laughs> on with the marks yeah. Oh, and I filled it with uh, flower petals too. Oh, great! Yeah, the Fibonacci sequence shows itself in, in flowers. flowers. Yep, like in uh, galaxies. Hence the name in, space, in flowers through space. Through space, yeah. exactly. exactly. Galaxies, yeah, exactly. exactly. In nature, so much. One hundred percent. It's the spiral, basically. Yep. So they hit the pinata. The pinata breaks open, and the form falls all over the floor, along with flower petals. And then they take the cards and they align it with the Fibonacci sequence. Okay. Right. So it's a random form. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We taped it all together. And that was the form of the song. That's so cool. Um, that's and that's wild. track eight, yeah. which actually is premiering today on Atwood. Oh, is it? Um, it's just premiering now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was so the that's form cool. Of the song. It's another way that just like you were allowing I don't know, the universe and the, the, the sequence to yeah. to dictate like organically that the, the the music. It's yeah. such a novel way. And that track never music. would have been written that way hadn't we if How we hadn't you done do that. that? Like yeah. this, this song. There's no other way you could written that way. But yeah, but yeah. The yeah. song starts with the bridge. Yeah. Right? Because oh, one of the things it said, you know, eight bars bridge. bridge. And right? that, and and that, that came was out the first, the top. That was the top. That had the zero <laughs> on the back of the card. Yeah. So it was like, all right, we're starting with the That's bridge. I mean, you know, yeah. so yeah, it's That's interesting. So, so cool. So this is a challenging project. It's it's unique and um just different in many ways. What is it? Um I don't know. What does it make you what is it that this is going to be kind of a loaded question, but what what does make you? What is it that makes you like challenge yourself in this way? What uh, you know, what are you searching for when you do something like this? Um, well, I mean, that's the ultimate question. Sure, you know, because I know there was a one part in the trailer of the doc where you're like, I don't, I don't think I necessarily want to. I think I have to. So I mean, it felt like right. there, felt like there's a motor driving. Or I wanted something. to cut that line from the documentary because <laughs> I'm it's so sorry. Then because, no, 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 yeah. because it sounds so pretentious and it's like I don't, I have yeah, to. Yeah, no, you know I, I mean? know. It is the truth, and, and, and especially the, you're in the moment, in the yeah, producing the, moment. The, yeah. You know, Dennis was like, you know, you got to keep it in there, dude. Yeah. You said it. You said you know it. I mean, like, and you felt it. And it's it's, cool. it's yeah. very earnest at the at the but I think I think a lot of artists feel that way. You know, where they're I like, I got to get this know, out. Oh, it's yeah. like, why, are you, why, why am I doing this? You know, oh, yeah. especially now with music and stuff, it's really tough to get your music out mm-hmm. there. It's tough to get people to listen to it, yeah. especially if you're creating 20 minute songs and all this kind of yeah. stuff, you know? So it's yeah. like, what is, um, what is the point of it all? Like, uh, you know, why do I feel the need to have such, I guess the answer is I don't really know. I yeah, just feel sure. like I figured that I might be with, the case. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I come up with these ideas and I'm just like, I want to, uh, 
I want to do this, but yeah. like it's a little it's a little nuts, I think. But yeah, it's fucking nuts. You know, I think I think it's just like an artist thing where it's yeah. just like you know I just have this need to create. Sure. So like I, I think of the alternative, which is like not creating music and yeah. not being creative. Yeah. And like I don't think that's a possibility. For it's not me. you. Yeah, it's yeah. just not, it's just not a possibility for mm-hmm. me to just sit and like read a book. Yeah. Or whatever you know. Yeah. Like it's just not me. Yeah. So you lose your mind. I just have to yeah. do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just have to do it. Yeah, definitely. No, that, and, that, and that makes sense. Was, and I try to, I really enjoy the process of doing yeah. it, you know, yeah. and not worry as much about the end result. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it's nice if the there's journey. people who, who resonate with the work and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, but the, yeah, the process is important. That's the thing. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I'm kind of curious because I know the way I would go if I'm like, when I get into something, when I nerd out on something, I go pretty fucking crazy. And I was wondering how deep you got with the sequence. Um, you know, did you get real weird? Were you like getting analyzing the relationship between that and like the golden ratio, which is out there? Did you like, you know, do a deep dive that, yeah, I yeah. mean, a lot of people are like, uh, reference the beautiful mind, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's you, what I was thinking. Like lose yourself in the Fibonacci. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I went too crazy. Yeah. I mean, I did in the sense of like the dates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, the, the um, key signatures of each song is also the Fibonacci sequence. Yeah, yeah I was wondering what else was Fibonacci. Yeah, yeah, like that each each song, uh, the, the key signature is within that frequency mm-hmm. with the frequency calculator. Yeah. Um, you know, each musician, you know, Adam got a little bit more beautiful mind than I did. did. He? Yeah. Uh, he really got into the madness of <laughs> it, it, you know, and so he was the guy who explained the Fibonacci to everybody. Cause mm-hmm. I couldn't take it anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just got sick of the Fibonacci sequence, you know, like, cause I'm not a math guy. Yeah, I, totally. I'm terrible. In math. Yep, yep. It was just a concept, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't have to be looked at mathematically, you know, yeah, it I mean, doesn't. I mean, the look, idea of it, just the, the, the building up of it and, you know, discussing things about nature and, and like, yeah, look, the, ma- the math of it is a human construct. Like, yeah. you know, this stuff yeah, happens. Time. It's yeah. just our way of interpreting what's our, what's happening naturally. Definitely. You know, so it's how we are conceptualizing, yeah. like, something that's just happening. Exactly. You know, so math is just a way, it's just a language, yep. right? So, but he really got into it. So, yeah. you know, he was sitting down with the musicians and saying, look, here's how it works. Mm-hmm. This is what it looks like. These are the, these are the notes that you can play. And yep. like, certain, certain melodies, you know, were definitely uh, super dictated by the Fibonacci yeah. sequence. Like in three, the sax, you know, the melody the sax is playing is is very much the Fibonacci sequence. Yeah. Like you don't, he would have never played that ever. Yeah, hadn't it been for that, you know. Um, so there's there's it, it does go pretty deep. Yep. But it, I also wanted to keep it fairly broad. Yeah. Because I didn't want it to sound shitty either. Like totally. you know when we're listening to it, I'm like, does it, is this appealing? Yeah. It was great because most of the time. It was great. It, like, yeah, it was music appealing. actually sounded good, even based yeah, based on what yeah. they were doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. I was curious if there was anything you learned, um, you know, through this process, uh, professionally or even personally. Uh, you know, like what after you walked away from it, did, were you looking at the world differently? What what, what was your takeaway after this process? Um, anything change or just it's just like just like yeah, another, you know, I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. You know, like I, I really, I don't know. It's yeah. just another experience. Yeah. I mean, I get, did anything change? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I probably learned more, you know, how to work with people and, um, grew as an artist and, and I learned some stuff about how to deal with people yeah. and relationships and how to finance a record. And, um, 
all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. you know, generally I think, you know, it's it, that whole experience, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. you know, I might learn more just on a train ride one day, yeah. you know, it's just yeah. another experience in totally. life. Yeah. Yeah. It, totally. You know, it's not, you know, it's, is it life changing? I don't think so. Yeah. 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 It's not as important as like spending time with my kids. Sure. You know what sure. I mean? Yeah. It's just, yeah. Uh, it's just another, just thing. another, another, another piece of art yeah. you're creating. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm asking selfishly here. Is there any way this could, um, could you create this live? Is there something you could with the musicians at all? Or that just, it's such a unique. I mean, I could. Yeah. Challenging um, though, right? Yeah. I think I'd need about $15,000. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's, a, it's just, it's just money. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah. It, it can absolutely be done live. Yeah. I just have to hire twenty one musicians to come in and rehearse it, learn yeah. how to play it, and all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. so yeah, totally. I mean, we are doing a live element to it at the at the release. Oh, cool. Um, but it's going to be very improvisational yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I mean, cool. a, I'm very much a studio guy. Yep. Um, I, I don't typically do live sure. performances. Yep. I, I'm, I'm a studio rat, man. I yeah, love being in the studio. Totally. I love making that's, records. That's home, right? And, you know, can we do it live? Yes, but, but yeah, I'd yet. rather spend that money on the next record. Got it. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, you're talking about uh, being a studio rat. Your production um, that you people have you worked with, it's vast. It's crazy. I, I, I implore anyone to check out your website and, and see. Uh, one that just jumped out at me, you worked with one of my favorite guitarists, Wayne uh, Krantz. Oh, yeah. 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 Interesting. That, that was a fun working with him. Yeah. That's, he, he, yeah. I mean, it was a one-day thing. Oh, uh, somebody yeah, yeah. from Sweden had come in. And they wanted to. They're they're doing a project, uh, a duet project. So it was yeah, like, it's a him and um, uh, him and Joachim uh, Bergel, I think. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have never remembered that. So yeah. thanks for yeah, doing I just, research. I just love Wayne. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, he came in for a day, and they and they did. Uh, he had a couple compositions that he had written, um, and they went through it, and then they did some improvising and stuff like that. Oh cool, yeah, super cool guy. Yeah, he's wild. Uh, you know, he's a very cool guy, and yeah. I think he's very accessible. He he yeah. does. He plays like every, every Thursday night. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like I probably go this evening. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, hooked okay. on it. It's yeah, really, okay, it's cool. awesome. Uh, so I'm yeah. sure you've talked to him. Yeah, well, just briefly. Now yeah. that's always kind of curious, but um, cool. So February 28th, mm-hmm. it drops, and um, yeah, we, there's already pieces I can share out there. And uh, cool. Thank you so much for talking about it. Thanks really, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Congratulations yeah. on the project as well. Thank you. Cool. This podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in the loop at OsirisPod.com.